welcome to a new episode of Behind the Scenes of Happiness. I'm your host, Christoph Spiesens. Today is a very different kind of conversation, but it's one that I really want to have and share with you because the message is so important. And of course, for those of you who know, who perhaps have read my book, as someone who survived sexual abuse in my childhood, the opportunity to have this conversation with today's guest is unique and I really wanted to grab it and leverage it. So enjoy. Today I'm talking to a very special person with a very special message. His name is Zebedee Franklin. And Zebedee contacted me on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago. And halfway into his message, he made a very important point. There was, there was um, a request in his message saying, Christoph, I ask only this. If you know of any man crying out to be heard, who wants to know there is someone who will listen, understands, won't judge or censor, please pass my details on to them. My door will always be open. That message was so loud and clear. And as someone who has survived two years of sexual abuse as a, when I was 10, between the ages of 10 and 12, I had no choice but to respond to this message. And I'm very glad that I did. And today I'm talking with Zebedee. Zebedee, thank you so much for being on the call today. I really appreciate your time. You're, you're most welcome. And I, I thank you very much for the invitation as well, considering uh, no more than a couple of weeks ago, as I say, we didn't know each other at all. So thank you very much. Zebedee, the, the little that I know about you, and it doesn't really matter because we, we are resonating on a different level. The little that I know about you comes from reading through your very valuable LinkedIn content where you educate people on identifying signs, symptoms of living with shame, with fear, with all these uh, really nasty and very heavy emotions that they've been carrying forward for many, many years. And what I noticed on your LinkedIn profile is the word green mantle. Where does the word green mantle come from? I have a love of, um, and did from a, from a child, I had a love of books and adventure stories. And it actually came from one of my favorite adventure stories when I was younger, which is a story by John Buchan. And that is in itself an adventure story. And it's about a, a you know, um, a false prophet and things like that, which is obviously from that point of view, that, that's interesting in, in the choice of name. But there's one other thing as well, is that green has always been a very special color to me. Green, uh, of all the colors, the one I have the greatest affinity with has always been green. Green, with a former business I had as well, it was about fresh shoot and ideas. So um, it was called the Spring Consultancy, and it was all about growth. And green is an integral part of that. And also, green is a heart-centered color. And if you're looking at your chakras, um, the heart area is, is either green or it's pink. So there is a very much an affinity with that as a color. And mantle, obviously, is also a cloak of naturally of protection. Mm -hmm. 
and I, and I, I, but it works because also through throughout my life is understanding that you know the di desire there has always been to to help and and aid and protect in the way that I can mm -hmm. and obviously having a mantle protecting this is what this is very much about and and clearly for men out there as you very kindly read out that need for protection is very self-evident and you know there are alarming statistics about for example high suicide rates really appalling statistics for for young men um, from the ages of 25 through to about 50 and that propensity to suicide is a is a massive wake-up call and, and you've got plenty of examples in in the world today you've got philip seymour hoffman who seems to have everything and you know a wonderful actor in the u.s who's recently committed suicide you have robin williams that everybody knows from when they were a child you know and seen him in the voices and aladdin and all the wonderful things he's done and more Mindy if that obviously dates mm -hmm. how i am but the fact is that those people there was a pain there there was a deep dark pain that they couldn't express and they kept and held on to and of course what does it do to you inside that is the question i always have what does it do to you inside and so this need to to find a way of you know providing a route for men to talk about these things has become more and more apparent to me over a period of time and and particularly also since i had to come to terms myself with you know the fact that i i was sexually abused when i was a child and it created an awful lot of change within me and things that i buried and tried to suppress in the belief that that was the best thing to do. But actually what it does to you inside is incalculable. You know, feeling others' pain, it is self, it is apparent there. And I, I think, you know, I mean, you are an empath, so you understand this, is that you can feel another person's pain and you can see the darkness that is there, the people that want to come out of those shadows and they come into the light, you can see that. You can see the terror that is there. My wife used to talk about the fact, and she's a, uh, a teacher, mm -hmm. and there's a terrible thing. I think it's a terrible indictment. And she used to say, I can tell the children who have been abused, there is no light behind the eyes. Now, can you imagine how appalling that is, that a child who's so young has no light in those eyes because of what's been done to them. Mm. And they fear there's no one they can talk to and they hold it and they hold it and they hold it. And to me, that, that is just appalling, absolutely appalling that the light goes out of the child's eyes that, and that to see that, no, that, that's awful. Let's talk about that for a little bit longer because the light that's gone out in kids' eyes is um, it's a big thing. And one of the, as I was preparing for our conversation today, Zebedee, one of the things that came to me was the realization that many people who are helpers, be that therapists or counselors or coaches or people who work in HR, etc., it is not uncommon for those people to have gone through very traumatic experiences similar to child sexual abuse um, when they were much younger. So 
it's almost like some people become very good at helping other people because they understand the journey, they understand the pain, they understand all the, those nasty emotions that come with it. Those people, like myself, but not without obviously having approached the right levels of support when I was a teenager to get me through this, have found ways to bring the light back into their eyes, so to speak, and shine it even, even more brightly and more effectively. What does it take in your experience for someone to finally muster up the, the courage, I suppose is the best word. It's not the word I want to use, but let's go with that. The, the, the energy perhaps to draw a line and seek help. What yeah. makes one person seek help and another person stay in darkness? With every individual, it is uh, it is different, and 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 every case, and we're looking at any kind of trauma from childhood. It's it's it's, it's very very complex, but and I think it also depends on the character of the individual as well, and that might sound harsh, but th there is an there is an element of that, and there are also I think there are catalysts that create change within someone or a decision to look at things again and in many cases i would say sadly what will will kick kick it off is where there is a breakdown in the person themselves because what they become aware of is that their irritation their anger their uh, sense of low self-esteem is building and it is having an impact on their home life, their work life, their family, everything. Every aspect of themselves is being dismantled and they feel like they are disintegrating. And there is a, there is a, I think in many cases there is a pivotal moment that, you know, and it comes often with, with, with some kind of breakdown, realizing that you are not yourself, that you are completely ill at ease with yourself and you're aware of it and that's frightening to understand that where you you feel that you no longer have that degree of control mm. and you know that you need to get help for every person it is different mm. and the, the thing is though in some cases the feelings inside an individual or the or not the feelings what is going on inside the mind is where they have a tendency to stay in darkness because what goes on in the mind is very, very complex and it works on you and it confuses and it raises the anxieties mm -hmm. and the fears. And for some people, I mean, I worked, I had the privilege to work as a volunteer for a year with NAPAC mm -hmm. in London as a volunteer. And, and the, NAPAC is the, for those that don't know, is the National Association of People Abused in Childhood. Mm -hmm. And one of the roles for those who volunteer is to um, work on the uh, telephone support line. Now, I did that only for a year. And you have training in the run up to that because you need to understand the type of calls typically that you will get in the same as, you know, a very sensitive area like working for the Samaritans. Mm -hmm. And what you would find in some of those cases with those calls is that they were first time disclosures by men or by women first time disclosures now i never was on this call but i had third hand the fact that there was a man that 
disclosed for the first time that he'd been abused as a child. That man was 90. 90 years of age that you have carried that pain, that whole sense of torment where your whole childhood has been eclipsed by that appalling series of circumstances. And then what happens in your life as a result of that, that trauma, that fear. And I think there's also a sense, and it was very apparent when I was at school as well, and it's less so now, there's more enlightened times now, but to be accused of being gay when you were a child and a boy was just not the thing. Nobody liked to be called gay. Nobody liked to be singled out because it added to your, you know, the chances you were going to more likely get even more bullied than some people were. And, and sadly, I was one of those that used to get bullied. And, um, and or also think that you somehow created this situation for yourself. Most definitely, because there was always, going back as well, there is that fear. Oh my God, what if anybody finds out at school? What if they, anyone finds out what's happened? Mm. You would be absolutely pilloried. You would be, for, you know, metaphorically speaking, crucified. And that terror builds up inside a child. Unless you've gone through it, I don't think anyone can really comprehend how much you live in fear from day to day of any type of discovery. Mm. And you have to suppress that. Now, in all, by doing that, because you're doing something that is not natural, it puts you on edge all the time. And one of the things I got accused of when I was a child by a lot of my colleagues was that I was repressed or he tended to be quite silent and retiring and shy. There was a bloody good reason for that because I was frightened. I was mm -hmm. frightened of saying anything or sharing any kind of confidence. Mm -hmm. I had no one I could talk to and that went on for years. And there are, as I say, that I, I think about the 90 year old man who disclosed for the first time on that phone call and what must have happened where it all drained away and obviously there would be a huge outpouring of grief, huge outpouring of grief. And it would have been extremely emotional for the volunteer on the other end of the line. But my God, the relief when mm. you're able to talk about something. And I think the thing is in life, we worry too much at times what other people think of us. We worry too much. And the fact is that there will always be people in life that won't like you. There will always be people that like you, but you have to be yourself. And obviously one of the whole points about this, again, there are many threads to this, but the fact is if you are suppressing who you are as a child because you are in fear, you are not yourself. You cannot be your authentic self. So there is a complete disconnect with that person you are at school or at work and how you're really feeling inside as you go home. And that's kind of what I sense with a number of men. Mm. And it's why I said what I said to you, because it's my, it has been my experience. And I know that there are hundreds, if not thousands of men out there who've also got these experiences, you know, and they'd be anywhere. They can live anywhere in terms of the job they do and everything else. Mm -hmm. So in your, in your opinion, Zebedee, what do you think of the level of awareness that's currently out there for people to, you know, to encourage people to open up and start the healing process. Do you find that there's a lot of work left to be done? 
yeah i do think there's a lot of work to be done because i, I think also it's you know people are more uh, talking about things like suicide and paul mcgregor obviously is doing uh, phenomenal work out there on social media and doing engagements and everything else because he lost his father and coming mm. to terms with that and people are coming out more and talking about suicide and male suicide is something i just didn't talk about before and people are equally talking about mental health and mental health awareness and, and depression mm. now the thing is they were taboos for a considerable amount of time and uh, as one recruitment consultant said even if i have depression or anything else i don't share it with anyone because i'm afraid of how it will be perceived out there in the marketplace you know there is greater awareness and social media has clearly helped in harnessing that and 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 spreading the message that said there are still areas where people will not say what has really happened i mean you've got to think about the fact that trauma and the reasons for trauma lead people to dependencies on a variety of areas whether it's drug dependency whether it's sex addiction whether it's alcoholism whether it's workaholism all those things and there is an underlying current in them not every case i don't have the statistics but not in every case are they going to be childhood trauma related but i would su suggest that an awful lot are mm. because those are symptoms and there is a story behind those so often people don't say what they really need to say you know that and this is the standard line that comes back in all of my podcasts Sabadi. sometimes i have to be a little bit devil's advocate i do that deliberately to get extra juice out of these conversations because sometimes i call myself a whistleblower coach and i will sometimes say the thing that many people think and I know they think that because that's what they tell me in coaching sessions or, you know, in, a, in an unguarded moment, so to speak. So my question is, for all the awareness that you are trying to raise and the help that's already out there, what if there are men and women, by the way, what if there are people out there who, are, who believe wholeheartedly that, they, that A, they can heal on their own or that it's better to do it on their own without reaching out for help because some people really may want to try and and heal on their own and try to find the answers by reading books or by doing whatever it takes so i'd be interested in hearing your your thoughts around that does talking in the same way it does with depression for example or anxiety accelerate the healing process or is that not how it works for everyone? I mean, it's a very good question. And one of the first things I learned as a volunteer, again at NAPAC, mm. was the fact that people decide to disclose when they feel it's right for them to do so. And that's the key thing about feeling it's right. Because the minute someone else says, well, you know, said, I've heard what's happened to my friend and I really want him to go and talk to X, Y, and Z. Mm. That's taking actually the power away from the person. They have to make the decision. It is theirs to make in order for them to start owning their own healing and their own recovery. Mm. Now, for every individual in the world, there is an approach that is right for them. And what I... Uh, 
advocate and, and, and what, what I'm talking about is not necessarily right for every individual. But I do firmly believe that the natural way for us to be able to become aligned with ourselves is by owning our own healing and our own recovery. Mm-hmm. But to start that journey, it is quite possible that you may need some degree of guidance or structure. But the key thing is that you do not stay dependent on those those people are outside of yourself the idea is that you own your own recovery and for everyone that pathway is different because as, as you understand from obviously previous podcasts you've had the journey we all undertake is a personal journey for us you know what works for one individual is not necessarily right for another mm. and the only way you're going to know that is you feel it you connect with yourself and obviously that journey for everyone is going to be uh, different and they have their own challenges. They have their own complexities because of their own story. Absolutely. Um, and, and it depends one on... One size never fits all. No, totally. And I mean, literally my, my um, this conversation is, it's not opening wounds, but obviously as we are talking, my mind is taking me back to things that happened 30 years ago. And... I am, I'm good with my story and I write about it in my book and I talk about it every so often. So I'm, I'm, I'm good in that regard. But one thing that I do remember that made it very hard for me to identify, because you mentioned, when is the right time to step forward? What delayed it for me was the fact that, and I suppose this is the case for many people who have gone through it, is that it was a, a person who was in a position of authority who was abusing me. And there's so much risk involved of of opening up um, that actually that that massively delayed the the process for me, I remember. Yeah. And I think that is the, you know, one of the things you often hear from from others is, well, why didn't you go and talk to the police? Why didn't you talk to your teachers? Why didn't you talk to your, your friends? Why didn't you talk to your mum? Why didn't you talk to this person? Why did, why did you stay in this? And when they're asking these questions, they are asking the wrong question. And also they are asking the question in the way an adult will ask it and, and, and ignoring the fact that you're talking about a child and the decisions that a child actually makes mm-hmm. at that time for its own survival it decides what it needs to do at that particular point in time it makes that decision then it has to live with that decision and obviously over time that can cause a great deal of pain and hurt that has to be has to be dealt with you cannot run away from it because you are you cannot run away from yourself so at some point Whenever that is in anyone's life, they will come face to face with that issue that they did not deal with. And our bodies are very, very clever because our bodies remind us of things that we don't deal with. They tell us. Mm-hmm. And as an empath, you also understand this is the importance of listening to your body. And beyond that, also, is listening to your soul. And that is what I firmly 
belief. That's interesting, uh, Zebedee, because you mentioned the word soul. So that puts us on a slightly more spiritually orientated path. For me, it was the, it was my spirituality, not, nothing religious here, but my spirituality that guided me on the healing path. It was, there is, okay, you've gone through this, this has happened to you, but maybe it's also happened for you, trying to give it as much of a positive spin as possible in terms of how can this help you grow? How can this help you, um, you know, love yourself more, get back to who you are as, as a teenager more? How can I apply speaking up for myself in other areas of my life as well? Because as I'm sure you, you, you know very well, um, you are in a dark place when you're going through the abuse and it affects everything. So when I had spoken up about the teacher, actually, who, um, who was my abuser. It was an opportunity to also blossom more fully in other areas of my life and as, as a, you know, and then soon to be young adult. And, then, and I just carried that spirituality forward throughout my life, even to this day, whenever there's, a, there's adversity or there's, something, there's a particularly nasty challenge that I'm going through. It's very much happening for me as opposed to to me. So I just wanted to add that because you mentioned the word soul. And for me, it was a, it was a lifesaver. My, my practical non-religious spirituality really was a, a lifesaver. I remember um, being close to the edge twice and the voice in my head or, or the, 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 the bigger part of me, the wiser part of me perhaps, clearly told me that if you do this now then you miss out on so much opportunity there is a whole world for you to to go and explore you won't have that if you do this and it was very clear and i listened to the voice and that became the start of a wonderful healing journey and 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 journey of exploration literally world exploration with my then um the, the airline cabin crew career that followed and and everything that that little voice promised me at the time became a reality because of because of following that call so it did for for me it led to a yeah definitely a better a better version of myself well, a, a fuller version of myself because better made it makes it seem as or sound as if the child version of myself was was not good enough um maybe that's still a little bit of leftover thinking from from those days who knows Sorry, Zabadi, I just wanted to add that. <laughs> no, um, I, I, I'm, pleased you, I'm pleased you did, because I think very much what I've come to understand, uh, again, going back to experience, is one of the issues for a lot of people that have suffered any kind of trauma like this, is their issues with trust. And if you feel isolated and you feel that there is no one that you can talk to, then where do you draw on what resources do you draw on as an individual? Mm. And from a, a very early age, I was introduced to things that were more spiritual. And as part of my journey in life, I came to understand that there are aspects of you that do talk to you and do guide you. And so my spiritual journey started probably when I was 17 or 18. and I started to write things down 
Um, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know anything about intuition or anything like that. I never, I just didn't. Part of my journey of, of discovery and, and, and changing a great deal of things within myself came from making a decision to visit the College of Psychic Studies in, uh, in London, in South Kensington, which is a very famous building that was founded by um, the likes of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and others who had a great deal of interest in that were spiritual or, or from an, another plane. And so part of my journey was to also start to secure a structure around what I was feeling and what I was looking to trust and learning to develop that more and more. So, you know, I did that for, I was there for three years um, studying various things. And I know that in business circles, for example, that talking about spiritualism, talking about mediumship and things like that, you know, it's all woo-woo for a lot of people and it doesn't mean anything. But from my perspective, it had a power and I had enough, um, enough corroboration of what I was feeling and what I was connecting with that was genuine. Mm. And I trusted it because I've trusted that throughout my life because that was my main source mm. for trust. And what a source and, it is, eh? Yeah. It, and it is absolutely, it is um, when you become in tune, it is a very powerful source because what it does is it enables you to cut through, for want of a better word, all the bullshit that is out there you are able to cut to the quick about what is really going on. When you listen to someone, what are they really saying? Not the words that are coming out of their mouth. What are they really saying? Because you feel it. You know when someone is lying. You can tell. You know when someone is being false. You sense it. You know when something is right because you feel it inside. It connects. You get goosebumps, whatever it is. For everyone, you know, this is different, but there is a relevance here because what you are also doing is you are tuning yourself more and more to your soul, to that the essence of you. And you talked earlier on about the essence. You talk about the essence of you. What is at your core? And the more you understand that and the more you are aligned with that, the more at ease you are with yourself and the less dis-ease there is. Um, and that relationship between you and your core self is a provider of an enormous amount of supportive energy and comforting energy. And it was, um, it was a great companion in those times of great disarray because it was almost like the fuller part of you your soul the soul part of you is is reassuring that you know you've gone through this but it's had its time and its place and now it's um it's time for something else and for some reason it's very hard to put this into words so i'm going to try and keep it as simple as i possibly can the spirituality gives you tools that are intangible versus so much of the 
and I'm saying this with the greatest respect, but so much of the therapeutic support that's out there. But for me, the spiritual support gave me something that was intangible and yet extremely easy to apply and therefore far more effective than a set of techniques or tips and, and tools. Does, does that make sense? It, it was, it was the, the feeling of I'm not alone in this. And even if the whole world would rebel against me and think I'm crazy for speaking up and, or I'm, I'm, you know, I brought this onto myself as a child and, and whatever, and I deserve it. And all of these things that the voices tell you, it was, um, we, the soul part and I, we were, we were happy together. And we, yeah. we still are. It's extremely comforting. And that is why I think, and I'm just going to add this, and I know this is your platform, um, Zebedee, but I, I think it's such a, I'm so big on this. For all the mental health awareness that's out there, which is imperatively important, yeah. I think there is more opportunity to bring in a spiritual dynamic as well, because it's so effective and as long as somebody doesn't understand why they are going through something you can give them all the techniques you like the why can only be explored when you work in a different context and for me that context is spirituality and i'm big about big on it because it's it is what saved my life literally yeah. And it is what helps other people reconnect to their inner lights. So thanks for allowing me to add that. No, 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 absolutely. I mean, the, the, the thing about the connecting with your soul is also that it is a natural well source of knowledge. The more you connect with that, the more it enables you to discern things um, that, as I say, are going on in the world as well. And to understand why things happen the way that they do they are not by accident they are by design they are as a result of consequences of things that that have been done that are underlying that are not self-evident and one of the things also about looking at the soul and as you say this is where i i, I look to try and add another another level mm. to, to healing mm -hmm. is that medical practitioners very eminent medical practitioners uh, very clever people they cure the symptoms that's what they are trained to do they cure the symptoms that are manifest that have become evident that's what they cure and what i firmly believe is that the illness of an individual starts at the soul place that is your core. That is where the illness starts. Any kind of illness or any kind of, as I talk about, is dis-ease. Mm -hmm. It starts from there. That is the natural source. So part of the healing process, part of that healing process has to start from there, has to be about talking to your soul. What is it that makes your soul light up? Because as I say, there is plenty of evidence out that you look and you know that the, the light is still there. There is a flicker. 
for for many many people but for others it's almost like it's mm. you know it's invisible but it is still there and that, and that is the whole point and the journey will take as long as it takes for all of us that personal journey will take as long as it takes but understanding that at your core the soul is where your ability to be yourself starts and mm. when that is not aligned then it causes the issues um, within us so what is important is to nourish the soul is to feed the soul is to excite the soul inspire the soul mm. talk to the soul in the ways that you do whether it's music whether it's um, going um, out for a walk in the in the forest whether it's um, watching a waterfall um, whether it's you know writing your soul speaks to you your soul lights up when it knows you're paying attention to it and notice i talk about the soul and i do not talk about the mind too many people live in their minds they do not live in their heart they do not connect with that they go with what is logical everything has to be logical everything has to be scientific and explain everything away even the even great men eminent scientists iconic scientists like einstein understood as he said and i wrote this down to make sure i got the quote right the more i learn the more i realize how much i don't know mm -hmm. you cannot explain everything in the world by science you know um sir oliver lodge was a, a great british physicist but he also understood it didn't matter his training and his knowledge he knew there was something else out there. He understood there was another, there was a power there. There is something mm. that, you know, is above us, is greater. Whatever you call it, there is something there. There is a force. And all of this connects with the soul. I had a very interesting conversation with a chap I met yesterday who, um, the three guys, and they run a, they run a, a creative studio called Swamp. Um, and they do theatrical immersion uh, mm -hmm. branding experiences. But he was talking about a book that he read, talking about the complexities of man are, are around algorithms. And I said, well, what about the soul? Well, with this argument, there is no soul. Now, I, I, that is just, we are not robots. We are human beings. We are sentient beings we feel we taste we touch we, we know we smell we are not these layers and layers of algorithms that turn into robots that's not what we are but what we are seeing which is is also why there is the rise in mental health while that people talk about and I prefer to talk about dis-ease but there is this growing trend around you know issues of the mind but also of the heart it's because people are not aligned with who they are mm -hmm. they are bound by what is tradition what is expectation mm -hmm. what is cultural norms whatever it is as history demonstrates in life all the time the people that we remember the most are those that stand up and say this is what i stand for it might be controversial, you know, you don't have to like it, but this is what I feel from my heart. And that makes those people remembered and that makes them stand out. The rest yeah. becomes wallpaper.
Absolutely. And from what I, my own experience and from my experience working with, with so many people, talking to so many people, helping so many people, is that the holistic approach to healing, i.e. the mind, the body and the spirit, is it's essential. Is essential. Absolutely. Zebedee, I would like to wrap up this particular conversation for today with a last question. How do you keep your own cup full when clearly you absorb a lot from so many people? How do you, what are some of your, um, your best practices when it comes to staying in top physical, mental, emotional and spiritual shape, so to speak? I mean, it's very kind of you to say that, but like everyone, I have like awful days. Mm -hmm. I do. There are a number of things. Um, one of the things that I do when I am, I feel flat mm. is I remind myself of individuals and what they've achieved. And that also adds a spur to me. Um, and I think of the things that they've gone through. There is a, you know, putting things into perspective. So my inspirations will come from, you know, history. Um, I'm a great reader. I love literature. Um, I love, but I also love military history. So I take a great deal of inspiration from, from military commanders of the past and where they turned things around that were nigh on impossible. Alexander the Great being a classic example of that. But also I write. So, you know, it's writing your thoughts down and it's amazing what emerges from what is in your head and onto the page, because that helps to put things into perspective as well. So I write. I love nature, as I've said to you before. So I will go out into the woods in the forest and where I currently live at the moment. I'm in uh, Canterbury mm -hmm. and surrounding area of Canterbury. There's some beautiful woodland places like Bleen Wood and things like that. And what's really strange is there's very very few people in there and it's so peaceful and so restful and I'm very much a child of spirit a child of nature I know that I understand that as I said to you right from the beginning green is an, in, an integral color for me so I use I will use the woodlands music is a powerful powerful medium for mm. helping to keep things balanced um, and I love listening to classical music and, you know, whether it's Beethoven, whether it's Mozart, Tchaikovsky or some um, Baroque music, it helps to settle me. Um, equally art. And actually one of the things when I was at NAPAC uh, and we'd have our computer screen in front of us. And one of the things I used to do is I'd make sure I put an, an art picture on my screen to help me to mm -hmm. focus, to keep me into a, a mindset where I was at, at peace because you never knew what kind of call you were going to get. Sure. You know? So preparing yourself like that. So I use, I've used art, I use uh, music uh, and writing. And those, those are the things that I typically do. And one other thing I do, I've developed a mantra, which I say to myself every morning, which encapsulates who I am. And I think that's another point is understanding what your purpose is in, on, on this earth is half the battle to aligning yourself with who you really are. And I know who I am. I know what my purpose is in life, my pathway. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's taken a long time, but I understand it. And the mantra that I say reminds me of those uh, qualities and characteristics. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so those are the things, if you like, that are part of my self 
repair. I hope that's answered the question. It certainly did. You broke it down quite nicely. Great ways there, many of, to, many of which in, in, in which I can re- um, recognize myself. Nature, for example, art, music, um, especially music is, is so huge when it comes to restoring your energy levels yeah. and recalibrating with your own purest energy levels. Music just does that effortlessly. Zebedee, thank you so much for this very informative educational conversation. I'm sure there's been a lot of value in it for our listeners. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate what you're doing for so many people. How can people get in touch with you? Is LinkedIn the first port of call? LinkedIn is a is a port of call. They can uh, they can call me and my numbers there, or okay. they can find me through Facebook, um, and obviously get my emails there. Um, but I'm more than happy to have a you know a chance to talk to people and see if there is any way that I can I can help. And when I say people, I'm being specific as well. It, it's men that I work with. I made that conscious mm-hmm. decision because mm-hmm. I know there are great healers out there that work with both. But that's where I where my focus is. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, and uh, it would be very good to hear from them. And again, thank you very much. Uh, Christoph, for giving me this wonderful opportunity to to speak with you and and to share my thoughts. No, you're quite welcome. So, Zebedee and I hope that in many ways this conversation has given many listeners the green light, so to speak, to step forward and share their stories with someone who can listen to them. I'm going to leave you with with a personal message and that is that you are not alone although that's exactly what it feels like and what you're going through is in many ways designed to make you feel like that that you are alone and that you have to keep quiet but the contrary is true there is nothing but love and support out there it's about accessing it and we hope that this conversation is a stepping stone in that direction i hope you have found today's episode useful if you would like to get in touch with me please visit christophspeasons.com thank you very much for listening and i look forward to connecting with you on a future episode